0: Moving on now to Mr. Pickles. Um, never heard of this show, but you know what? It looks and sounds so cute. I mean, when you think of anything, like, pickle-related, like, pickles are good, right? So, you know, you see, like, the the Pickles, the Rugrats. So, like, the Rugrats are awesome. Their last name is Pickles. And, like... I know, like, of a few animals named Pickles, and it's just, like, an awesome name. So, I don't know. Anything that's, like, Pickle-related, I just feel like it's kind of cool. I don't know. But, excuse me, Mr. Pickles was on from 2013 to 2019, In the small, old-fashioned community of Old Town, the Goodman family and their innocent and dim-witted six-year-old son, Tommy, have a demonic border collie named Mr. Pickles. The two spend their days romping around Old Town. While unknown to Tommy, the family or anyone Mr. Pickles tolerates, except for Tommy's grandfather, Mr. Pickles' secret slips away to kill and mutilate his countless victims. Mr. Pickles will often reassemble and resurrect his victims, which then reside in his underground lair and do his bidding. Through his evil, murderous rampage against those that threaten his boy, get in his way, or annoy him, Mr. Pickles brings some order to Old Town, which is otherwise riddled with crime in the face of the dim-witted sheriff. Some characters amongst the Mr. Pickle series include Dave Stewart as Mr. Pickles, Floyd, Linda, and Deer Hunter number 2, Caitlin Robrock as Tommy Goodman and Candy, Brooke Shields as Beverly Goodman, Jay Johnston as Stanley Goodman, Frank Collision as Henry Gobbleblobber and Mr. Bo Jenkins in seasons 1 through 2, Will Carsola as the sheriff, boss, and deer hunter number one. And Alex Desert as Mr. Bo Jenkins in season three, the finale. Other additional voices include Joey, Joey Lauren Adams, Pamela Adlin, Bob Bergen, Bob Bergen, Sean Conroy, Andy Daly, Colton Dunn, John Ennis, Dave Foley, Vivica A. Fox, Brett Gelman, Barbara Goodson, Elaine Hendricks, Carrie Karanen, Christine Lakin, Michelle Leone, Tommy Kenny, Candy Milo, Tracy Morgan, Iggy Pop, Andy Richter, Jakad Young, Mark Rivers, Henry Rollins, Stefan Root, Amy Sedaris, Stevo, Frank Vincent, John Waters, Weird Al Yankovic, and Rob Zombie. The series, which is animated using Adobe Flash, was created by Will Carsola and Dave Stewart, known for Funny or Die Presents, and executive produced by Will Carsola, Dave Stewart, and Michael J. Rizzo. The series was one of several shows pitched to Adult Swim, according to the creators, who also operate under the name Day by Day. Stewart recalled promoting it as a one-line sentence, while Carsola remembered that it derived from a write-off session where the two present ideas to each other in the form of scribbles for their amusement. Carsola explained that ideas in this process are released from the pressure of them being good, occasionally finding one that sticks. They later explained it at the 2014 San Diego Comic-Con International that the idea was based on Lassie but has become more of its own thing since then. Stewart's own female Australian cattle dog served as inspiration for the animators on the character of Mr. Pickles. Stewart even pointed out similarities between her and the main character and jokingly called her Miss Pickles. Animation director Mike L. Mayfield recorded Stewart's dog playing around on video with animators using the resulting footage as a basis for the character's movements. Its setting is roughly based on Richmond, Virginia where the creator started out in entertainment before moving to Los Angeles. The creators are given creative freedom by the network, with Stewart explaining the notes received by them as minimal, much to their surprise. The creators observe some inconsistencies as to what is considered unacceptable, but try not to question and compromise instead. Elaborating on its 11-minute running time, Carsola described it as a 22-minute show squished into a quarter hour. Among the voices for the characters include Brooke Shields, Frank Collision, Jay Johnston, and Carsola and Stewart themselves. Shields' role in the series came after looking at the creator's work for Funnier Die and obtaining the script for Mr. Pickles. According to Carsola, the two were dubious over her interest in the series, but after being cast, she provided lines in a recording booth in New York City while the creator supervised over Skype. The series was picked up for 10 quarter hour episodes for its first season, premiering on the network in September of 2014 following the ninth season premiere of Squidbillies. In July 2013, the pilot episode was released online as part of a presentation of in-development shows for the network partnered with KFC. Viewers could vote for their favorite pilot, with the winner being broadcast on August 26, 2013. The series lost to Uber Mansion, a Stupid Buddy Studios production, although the presentation as a whole won an Internet Advertising Campaign Award in 2014 for Best TV Integrated Ad Campaign. The pilot was later published on the network's website on January 23, 2014 and on YouTube on March 10 of the same year, becoming viral with over 700,000 views after roughly a month later. A second season was mentioned at the 2014 Comic-Con. Aaron Simpson of Cold Heart Flash called the series an amalgamation of Lassie and Super Jail while observing some social commentary to ensure this is more than just a multi-episodic sketch. Mike Hale of the New York Times labeled it the less tasteful but more mainstream counterpart to Tim and Eric's bedtime stories, another addition to the network. He wrote that the show was more grisly than funny, but predicted it to have a cult following, and that Shields' voice would add surreal pop culture catch it. And from Amino Apps, I got a few facts about Mr. Pickles the Devil Dog. His full name is Mr. Pickles, his alias is Dog Pickles Evil Dog, and his origin of Mr. Pickles is occupation is house pet, demon possible. He has powers and skills, a superhuman attributes, enhanced senses, extremely high intelligence, very strong jaws and claws, and can speak in a demonic language. He's very skilled with weapons and tools, torturing and mutilating people. His possible other demonic powers include hobby of killing, torturing, mutilating, raping, tormenting, and harassing Grandpa, Aunt Grandpa Goodman, eating pickles. His goals are to kill anyone who abuses him or commits sins, mostly succeeded, regularly torment Grandpa, protect his human boy Tommy, and his friends. His goals usually depend on episode on the episode. His type of villain, villain is a demon. He's a torturer, a rapist, and an animal villain mr pickles is an evil fierce demonic ruthless aggressive and bloodthirsty border collie and the titular main protagonist of the adult swim animated series with the same name visually Mr. Pickles very authentically mimics a normal male dog, easily feigning innocence in the eyes of the townsfolk of Old Town, up to the point where he is praised for solving the cases of his own crimes. In reality, however, he is a demonic being. It is possible that Mr. Pickles' true form is different from his canine coil. Mr. Pickles is quite wicked, sadistic, nefarious, and manipulative, so he is prone to violence. He seems to be aroused by killing and imprisoning human beings in a secret lair that lies within his doghouse. However, despite his evil nature, Mr. Pickles is extremely loyal and protective of his human boy, Tommy. This often leads to Mr. Pickles killing or mutilating those who bully or harass the boy. He also seems to have a sense of justice as he kills a man's sight for avoiding him to raise an Indian camp where, where a family lives. Mr. Pickles appears to only hunt down people with dark souls or having considerable sins weighing on their conscience. He also torments Tommy's grandfather but is doing it in a relatively merciful manner, only humiliating him while other victims are usually physically mutilated. The demon dog shows quite a lot of creativity in the tortures, adapting the punishment to the sins of the victim. An example of this would be when he ripped out a young man's stomach and intestine because he forced his girlfriend to have an abortion. In addition, Mr. Pickles is extremely lustful, salacious, and concupiscent, so he satisfies his sexual desires with virtually any living thing and some corpses too, regardless of its size, gender, species, or beliefs. He also likes to smell gas, drink alcohol, and often makes his victims worship him and perform heavy physical work. Severed body parts are sometimes used to build grisly trophies. Another passion giving Mr. Pickles his name is his love for salted pickles. You know, as morbid as that all is, I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, okay, like, let's leave out that Mr. Pickles is demonic and he mutilates and rapes and kills people. But he's super loyal to his owner and protective, right? I mean, isn't that what we want for a dog? I mean, but let's like leave out all the evil stuff because yeah, no, I don't want a dog that's evil, but I definitely want a dog that's protective. I mean, that's like true love right there. So I don't know. In a way, Mr. Pickles, all in all, of course, meant well, just in a more evil demonic sense. So next we're going to move on to Bob's Burgers uh, Bob's Burgers has been on since 2011, and it is still going strong. I, I remember this came out my senior year of high school, and I remember a lot of the kids talking about it, um, so it just kind of, it's one of those shows, like, yeah, okay, you look at The Simpsons and Family Guy and South Park, and those are, like, way older, but then you're, like, I remember when Bob's Burgers started, and it's kind of like where the point I was in my life, it just kind of makes me feel that much older. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah. So anyway, Bob's Burgers is an American adult animated sitcom created by Lauren Buchard for the Fox Broadcasting Company. The series centers on the Belcher family, parents Bob and Linda and their three children, Tina, Jean, and Louise, who run a hamburger restaurant. The show was conceived by Buchard after he developed Home Movies. Bob's Burgers is a production by Bento Box Entertainment and 20th Television. While reviews for the first season were mixed, feedback for subsequent seasons has been much more positive. The series premiere, Human Flesh, drew in 9 million viewers, making it the highest rated series premiere of the season and finishing 9th in the ratings for the week it aired. Reruns began airing on Cartoon Network's late-night programming block Adult Swim in June of 2013 and its sister channel TBS in 2016 and began airing in syndication on local stations in September 2015. A comic book series based on the show, published by Dynamite Entertainment, began in September 2014. A soundtrack album was released on Sub Pop Records on May 12, 2017, with the second volume announced on June 8, 2021. In 2013, TV Guide ranked Bob's Burgers as one of the top 60 greatest TV cartoons of all time. The series has been nominated for several awards, including the Emmy Award for Outstanding Animated Programs seven consecutive times, winning in 2014 and 2017. The show has been renewed for a 12th and 13th production cycles. In addition, a feature film was planned to be released on July 17th, 2020, before it was delayed indefinitely due to the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. The show centers on the Belcher family, which consists of Bob, his wife, Linda, and their three children, Tina, Jean, and Louise. The family runs a burger restaurant on Ocean Avenue in an unnamed seaside community, informally known as Seymour's Bay, among the show's writing staff. Bob is seen reading a newspaper entitled Seymour's Bay Times in the season 11 episode Tina Tambien. Series creator Lauren Buchard said early on that the show's location was an indeterminate northeastern United States shore town calling the setting a semi-Springfield, saying he drew inspiration from several areas including San Francisco whose Victorian architecture is mimicked on some of the buildings for the town's physical appearance. As the show has proceeded, viewers and critics alike have come to a conclusion that the unnamed town is actually in southern New Jersey. The first such episode where the connection is at least attempted is the season three episode, "It Snakes a Village, and as the years have gone on, the show writers have largely dropped the New Jersey references. For example, character Tammy Larson has a phone number with the area code 201, which belongs to the state, although not to the Jersey Shore area. An episode of Archer that featured a crossover between the two series has also furthered the narrative. In the episode Fugue and Rifts, Sterling Archer is discovered to have been flipping burgers at the shore for several weeks due to a case of amnesia where he believes he is Bob Belcher. Archer and Belcher are both voiced by H. John Benjamin. Bob's Burgers is located in a green two-story building which features an apartment on the second floor where the Belcher family lives. The restaurant is sandwiched between two other commercial buildings, one of which houses its funeral home and crematorium. As a running gag, the other building is shown in the opening credits to be a new business each week, often with names which are elaborate puns. Bob's Burgers has a few regulars, most frequently Mort from the neighboring crematorium and handyman Teddy. The restaurant has to compete with several other local eateries for business. His biggest rival is Jimmy Pesto, who owns an Italian restaurant called Jimmy Pesto's Pizzeria, which is located directly across the street and is generally more successful, creating tension between the two owners. As well as assisting in the restaurant, the Belcher children all all attend Wagstaff School. Several episode plot lines involve the children's escapades in and out of school. Thirteen-year-old Tina, at the beginning of adolescence, struggles with her attraction to boys. The most common target for her affections is Pesto's eldest son, Jimmy Jr. Eleven-year-old Gene strikes to be a musician, very often carrying a keyboard and noodling with it. Louise is a scheming troublemaker seeking revenge, riches, or adventure, often dragging her siblings along. She puts on a face of fearlessness, but is still afraid of some things, like the dentist. Episodes will sometimes involve a single storyline involving all of the Belchers, or will have two simultaneous stories for different groups of the family. The family members interact with many recurring characters who are also residents of the town. Bob's Burgers makes occasional use of musical numbers. The closing sequence uses different soundtracks each episode and, from Season 2, a different animation played alongside the credits. The Belcher family runs a hamburger restaurant and they include Bob Belcher, voiced by H. John Benjamin, who is the titular protagonist of the show and owner of Bob's Burgers. He is the husband to Linda and father to Tina, Jean, and Louise. He is a second generation restaurateur and is 44 years old. Bob was born to an unnamed mother and Big Bob who ran a diner called Big Bob's Diner. Bob had a relatively unhappy childhood as his mother died when he was young and his father was an alcoholic who forced Bob to constantly work. His father is always known to never smile and holds resentment for Bob leaving and starting his own business. Bob is the more sensible one of his family, though he isn't afraid to get petty and is often stubborn and exasperated. Despite his somewhat pessimistic personality, he loves and cares for his family very much, as well as for his restaurant and burgers of the day. Like the rest of his family, Bob has black hair, tan skin, and dark eyes. Linda Belcher is voiced by John Roberts and is one of the main protagonists of the show, wife to Bob and mother to Tina, Jean, and Louise. She is 44 years old, also wears signature red glasses, and speaks with a thick, heavily pronounced New Jersey, New York area accent linda is fun-loving and happy-go-lucky a positive contrast to her husband's pessimism she is generally laid-back and extra enthusiastic in whatever she does often bursting into made-up songs about everyday things Linda is shown to be very supportive, such as encouraging Tina to write erotic friend fiction or supporting her sister Gail in her many questionable business ideas and hobbies. However, Linda can be strict as well, showing less leniency when Louise doesn't listen to her. Tina Belcher is voiced by Dan Mintz and is the eldest of the three Belcher children. She's socially awkward, and insecure, and tends to freeze up and produce a long groaning sound when faced with decisions or conflict. However, there are moments when she gathers courage and acts impulsively, too. Like a lot of 13-year-old girls, she fantasizes about boys and has many crushes, also obsessing over boy bands like Boys For Now. She likes horses, rainbows, buttocks, zombies, writing erotic fiction, and writing in her journal about everything. Throughout the series, Tina has a constant crush on Jimmy Jr., the son of Bob's rival Jimmy Pesto, who who vacillates between reciprocating and rejecting Tina's affections. She is a hopeless romantic and writes various fan fiction about Jimmy Jr. and her life. Out of the three siblings, Tina is arguably the most responsible, although Jean and Louise take advantage of her innocence and naivety. Like everyone else in her family, Tina has black hair and tan skin. She always wears thick black glasses that magnify her eyes and a yellow barrette in her hair. Gene Belcher is voiced by Eugene Merman and is the middle child and the only son. Like his mother, Gene is carefree and friendly but strikes a close resemblance to his father, especially when Bob was his age. Gene enjoys pestering everyone around him by using sound effects with either his KCO-SK5 keyboard or his megaphone. He frequently records fart sounds and uses them as sound effects in additions to his music. He is close to everyone in his family, especially Louise, often helping her with schemes and relating to her on a mature level. Gene is known to have a passion for music. He writes songs and fantasizes about his future in the industry, but as he is only 11, he's also shown to have trouble committing to putting the work into learning techniques and taking it seriously. Despite this, he has written at least one full musical as well as many other songs with topics ranging from farts to Thanksgiving. And Louise Belcher is voiced by Kristen Schaal and is the youngest Belcher at nine years old and is a schemer with a mischievous and cynical personality. She often yells in excitement or anger and she knows how to manipulate people in order to get her way. Though her intentions in the series consistently appear to be dubious, she is often portrayed as a reluctant anti-hero. She is also narcissistic in nature and will go to drastic lengths to achieve her aims. Louise is protective of and has a deep affection for her family, though she displays her feelings towards each in different fashion. She looks up to her father and enjoys bonding with him over games and movies. She has been revealed to see her future in the restaurant. Still, she will take advantage of her family when it suits her. Her, relation with, her relationship with her mother is more complex. She has a close resemblance to Linda, but is more likely to disobey her than Bob. Louise always wears a pink hat with long bunny ears, never showing her uncovered head even as a baby. Bob's Burgers has initially received mixed reviews for Season 1 with a Metacritic score of 60 out of 100. However, by the second season, the ratings had reached a score of 78 out of 100, proving a rise in popularity with praises about its daffy comedic momentum and how it is new and fresh. Rotten Tomatoes gave the first season a 73% score based on 41 reviews with an average rating of 6 out of 10. The site's critical consensus states a modestly immature workplace cartoon, not without potential, that needs to work on finding its rhythm. The Washington Post described the show as pointlessly vulgar and derivatively dull, while Reuters stated that it's unwise and unnecessary to launch an animated sitcom on Fox that appears intent to ape the vulgarity quotient of Family Guy. USA Today stated that Bob's Burgers isn't very tasty, describing the comedy as just loping along, stumbling from one tasteless moment to the next. The New York Times described the show as having a lackadaisical vibe, its humor, no matter how anarchic, slides by in a deadpan monotone. However, as the first season progressed and concluded and the second began, critics began giving the series praise. For Ron Kaiser of the A.V. Club has recalled, the show was amusing, yes, and there was certainly potential, but it took a half dozen episodes before it really began to meet that potential. Season 2 has a Metacritic score of 78 of 100 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 100% based on 8 reviews. Season 3 has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 88% based on 8 reviews. Season 4 has a score of 89% based on 9 reviews. Season 5 has a score of 100% based on 12 reviews. And Season 6 has 100% based on 10 reviews. Entertainment Weekly gave the show an A-grade in its review, remarking that a comedy that that is well done is very rare indeed. Ain't It Cool News called Bob's Burgers perhaps the funniest half hour currently airing on broadcast TV in 2011. In its review, CNN called the show wickedly funny and said there are too many highlights to list here. Speaking about the show during its second season, The AV Club reviewer, Ron Kaiser, said after an uneven start, Bob's Burgers is becoming one of television's best comedies. Since the debut of season two of the series, the show's positive reception has increased. The AV Club voted Bob's Burgers as the 10th best show of 2012, the 3rd best show of 2013, the 20th best show of 2014, and the 35th best show of 2015. There have been many different appearances of Bob's Burgers all over and TV and in the world, starting with Fat Burger. On January six, two thousand eleven, some Fat Burger locations were rebranded as Bob's Burgers for the day as a promotion. It also offered limited time offers such as a free burger giveaway and a special, the Thanks a Brunch Burger, on the menu until February two thousand eleven. There were also Bob's Burgers coupons offered for a free medium-fat burger special. Across the U.S., four locations were rebranded as Bob's Burgers in California, New Jersey, Nevada, and Illinois. Two restaurants' location in California continued to use the Bob's Burgers appellation into 2016, which are located in La Puente and Westminster, California. The season four premiere episode of Archer features a crossover where the Belcher family is shown, but Bob is revealed to be Sterling Archer, also voiced by H. John Benjamin, in a fugue state. Archer has taken the place of Bob Belcher, with Bob inexplicably missing. The menu board touts the Thomas... F. Elphinstone Hamblederger with Manning Coleslaw, a play on amnesiac secret agent Tommy Hambledon, a character in a series of novels by Manning Coles. Homer Land, the season 25 premiere episode of The Simpsons, features a couch gag in which the Belcher family, skinned yellow according to the standard character coloring of the series, attend a 25th anniversary party in the Simpson family living room with the main characters of their fellow animation domination series. Bob made another cameo in the episode The Girl Code where a picture of him is shown and explaining that the restaurant was boycotted by short people due to an offensive burger of the day. The show has also been referenced in season 30 of The Simpsons in a couch gag in the episode My Way or the Highway to Heaven. Homer is stuck in the restaurant and the Belcher family doesn't understand what he wants. The original five cast members guest starred for the couch gag. In the Family Guy episode Space Cadet, the principal shows Peter and Lois a picture of Bob Belcher as a sign that Chris is doing poorly in his advanced art class. Peter mutters, I'm very embarrassed. And the principal replies, Well, someone should be. And Boopa Dee Bopa Dee, Louise is one of many characters Stewie is turned into by Peter using a remote control. Bob's Burgers is also mentioned on He's Black as one of the reasons why the Cleveland show did not succeed. Bob makes a cameo appearance in the hour-long The Simpsons Family Guy crossover The Simpsons Guy. He appears on the same airplane as Homer and Peter in a cutaway about them being a greater team than the Air Force. Peter remarks to Homer that they have to carry Bob, and then Peter points to Cleveland's plane and says, We let that other guy try, and look what happened. Cleveland, repeatedly saying no, crashes in flames. This is a reference to the poor ratings of Bob's Burgers and the cancellation of the Cleveland show. Bob's Burgers has been referenced two times in season 17 of Family Guy. In Trump Guy, when Peter and Lois find out that Donald Trump, a character, is about to sexually harass Meg, Chris says that Bob's Burgers is on the TV. In Trans Fat, the Belcher family makes a cameo appearance in the Griffin family home, but only Bob has lines. In this cameo, H. John Benjamin voiced Bob as he works on Family Guy. At Aqua Teen Hunger Force, a character previously known as Dr. Eugene Merman, obviously played by himself, was renamed Dr. Gene Belcher in the episode Hospice. The character's name was revealed on Aqua Teen Hunger Force's creator Dave Willis's Twitter account two hours before the episode. The character had been introduced in 2006, which was five years before Bob's Burgers aired. Seattle rock band Sleater Kinney collaborated with Bob's Burgers and its crew for their 2015 single, A New Way, from the album No Cities to Love. The resultant music video featured the band, animated in the cartoon style, performing for the Belcher children in Tina's bedroom. In 2016, the Bob's Burgers Burger book, edited by series creator Bouchard, was released. There are 75 burger recipes pulled from the fan base blog The Bob's Burger Experiment, based on the specials of the day that appear on the chalkboard menu in the show. And a sketch from the robot chicken episode Boogie Bardstown Inn, No Need, I Have Coupons, has Bob Belcher compete on Master Chef Celebrity Showdown along with SpongeBob SquarePants, Alfredo Linguini, and Jerome Chef McElroy. Bob has to cook with what he fears most pigeons. And a few beefy facts from Mental Floss. The original concept for the show was much darker. When Buchard first pitched the idea of Bob's Burgers to Fox, he had a slightly different vision for the family the fans know and love today. He imagined the Belchers as cannibals with their restaurants serving as a cover for their dietary habits. There was a brief period when I first started talking to the network executives because I was coming off doing Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, and I had this kind of more occulty, sort of darker edge to the way I was thinking then, Buchard told the AV Club. I did pitch the show as a family of cannibals who runs a restaurant. There's sort of a Sweeney Todd aspect to it. While the network chose to steer Buchard away from the cannibalism concept, he did incorporate that the idea into the pilot episode in the form of Louise spreading a rumor that the family's burgers were, in fact, made of human flesh. Tino was supposed to be a boy. In Buchard's original pitch, the eldest Belcher child was actually going to be a boy named Daniel, voiced by stand-up comedian Dan Mintz. Much like Tina, Daniel was a socially awkward, sexually confused 13-year-old, but the network didn't think that Daniel stood out enough from the other two Belcher children, so Buchard decided to see what would happen if he switched the character's gender. Mint spoke to the frame about his fear of being fired after hearing of Buchard's decision to change Daniel to Tina. I remember getting this call from Lauren. I didn't understand it. He never calls me. It's always my agent or his assistant. This probably means he's calling to say I'm being recast. Finally, I called back and he said, we're changing your character to a girl, but we want you to play it. I was like, well, I can't do a girl's voice, really. He said, oh, it's okay, just do your own voice. I was very skeptical that would work, but then they sent me the actual Tina being animated with the voice, and I was like, oh, wow, this actually works. Fans eagerly await each week's opening credits. Much like the Simpsons couch gag, Bob's Burger's opening credits have a unique element each week. While the opening credits always feature the Belcher standing in front of their restaurant, the building next door sees a new tenant with each new episode, but only for the opening as the building remains vacant during the actual episode. Some of the businesses that have been featured in the opening credits include Magnum, GI, Colonoscopies, Talk to the Hand, Glove Store, and Quilty as Charged, Quilt Shop. Beginning in Season 2, a second changing element was added to the opening credits, the name of the exterminator on the van that pulls up. Yes, all those businesses have pest-related puns for names. The Burger of the Day special changes weekly, too. Each week, there's a new Burger of the Day special at the restaurant, which can be seen on the chalkboard above the restaurant's register. Usually, it's a play on words of the included ingredients. More is a treat to the fans than an element to the story. Eagle-eyed viewers watch closely for the chalkboard, as it is often shown only briefly and is very rarely acknowledged by the characters. A Bob's Burger's Cookbook is coming soon. With the list of Burger of the Day specials growing with each new episode, fans have begun to wonder, how do the burgers actually taste? One fan, Cole Bowden, took it upon himself to provide an answer. An engineer for Honda, Bowden traded in his tools for a spatula as he set out to create recipes that could live up to their Burger of the Day namesakes. Posting his concoctions online, fans soon flocked to his blog in order to get a taste of Bob's-inspired burger. Buchard, a fan of Bowden's blog from its, in- from its inception, happily obliged Bowden when he emailed a request to be privy to the forthcoming Burger of the Day specials. With this knowledge, Bowden is able to create the Burger of the Day recipe in advance and perfect it in time for each new episode's release. Taking it a step further, Bouchard and Bowden decide to partner up for an official Bob's Burgers cookbook. It hit stores in March of 2016, and the cookbook contains Bowden's recipes accompanied by illustrations from Bouchard. As for what Bouchard thinks of Bowden's burgers, as it turns out, Bouchard's wife and children are vegetarians, so he hasn't had an opportunity to try them yet. There's a Bob's Burgers-Archer crossover. Given the immense popularity of both Bob's Burgers and Archer and the fact that both titular characters are voiced by H. John Benjamin, who uses his signature speaking voice for both, it is no surprise that there was a Bob's Burgers and Archer crossover. The season 4 premiere of Archer finds Sterling Archer in a fugue state believing he is actually Bob, owner of Bob's Burgers, It isn't until an attack in the restaurant by the KGB that Archer starts to awaken once again, deciding to leave Linda, guest voiced by John Roberts, the kids and his burger flipping days behind for good. And there's also a Bob's Burgers porno. Nothing illustrates the significance of your contributions to pop culture better than having a porn parody made of your work. This is exactly what happened for Bob's Burgers in 2014 when a 31-minute adult film version of the series was released, which finds Bob and Linda struggling to decide upon a fitting burger-of-the-day special for when the adult erotic con biz show hits town and from screen rant a few details that even true bob's burgers fans can miss starting with bob's secret tattoo as the patriarch of the belcher family bob is a pretty unusual father for instance there probably aren't that many dads out there that have open feuds with someone else on their block Fortunately, Bob is extremely extremely permissive of his kids' peculiarities. However, it would be a gigantic stretch if anyone tried to pretend like he is anything other than old-fashioned in most ways. With that in mind, it is surprising to learn that Bob Belcher has a tattoo on his lower back. Tramp stamp! Nevertheless, there are scenes where Bob has bent over and ink of what appears to be a representation of his nose and mustache can clearly be seen. The King of the Hill References Each Bob's Burgers episode's opening credit sequence features a store and van that have different business names written on them. It makes perfect fodder for interesting references, as in the show's seventh season episode, Aquaticism, when the opening features two references to King of the Hill. First off, the van was transformed to be the same as the one used by Dale from King of the Hill's extermination business. On top of that, King of the Hill introduced a fictional video game named Propane, and Hank Hill sold propane, both of which are referenced in the storefront's name Propane Accessories. Bob and Louise have had Family Guy cameos. To this day, Fox remains the network that is most responsible for the popularity of animated TV shows aimed at adult audiences. However, just because the people that run the network have greenlit many successful animated series does not mean the power brokers behind these series always get along well. Able to stay above that fray, Bob's Burgers have built connections to many Fox animated series as already evidenced by the aforementioned reference to King of the Hill. The Belchers also cross over into the realm of the Family Guy crew. Actually, Bob shared a scene with Peter Griffin and Homer Simpson, the father figure character from The Simpsons. There are several real-life Bob's Burgers. focused on a clan that gets by due to their family restaurant. Fans of Bob's Burgers have spent a lot of time within their fictional business. With that in mind, it makes sense to think that millions of people would love to eat at Bob's Burgers for real. It should come as no surprise that in September 2018, three real-life Bob's Burgers restaurants opened up in Atlanta, St. Louis, and Phoenix. Set up to celebrate the show's 150th episode and the premiere of its ninth season, sadly, they only opened for a short period of time, but anyone that made it there was lucky, since their burgers were free. Still, it seems like a shame that official and permanent Bob's Burgers have yet to pop up. The Parks and Recreation Connection It's an extremely competitive business. Any actor who lands a notable role in a hit TV show has done something truly amazing. That said, once your time on a popular series comes to an end, it can be equally difficult to land another part that keeps you in the spotlight, let alone employed at all. Fortunately for the cast of Parks and Recreation, it seems like playing a memorable character in that show makes you a shoe in if you want to voice a Bob's Burgers character. Fourteen different actors have landed roles in both Parks and Rec and Bob's Burgers. Included among that group are H. John Benjamin, Jenny Slate, Megan Malaley, Aziz Ansari, Billy Eichner, Keegan Michael Key, Nick Offerman, Bob Hubel, Ben Schwartz, Henry Winkler, and Paul Rudd. Tina likes Paul Rudd way too much. Speaking of Paul Rudd. If you are aware of who Paul Rudd is, the chances are good that you enjoy his work as well. As a result, upon reading the name of this entry, it may seem completely unremarkable that Tina Belcher likes the man. However, considering that in the world of Bob's Burgers they have fictional celebrities like the guys from Boys for Now, it is incredible that Tina knows who Paul is at all. When the show put up a short video of Tina doing the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, she opted to call out Mr. Rudd. More than that, later on in an episode of Bob's Burgers, Tina fantasized about her imaginary horse, Jericho. Funnily enough, Jericho had a familiar voice, none other other than Paul Rudd's. The show brought up a real hitchhiking robot. The team behind Bob's Burgers occasionally includes jokes that only a tiny fraction of its viewers will ever understand. As a fantastic example of that, an episode featured a storyline in which Tina telecommuted to school with the aid of a robot after an ankle injury. Eventually using that same robot to attend a beach party, the Belcher kids had to break it out of their school. This almost went awry when a security guard sees the robot leave. The kids convince the guard to let the robot go, and he even warns it to avoid Philly. While that warning seemed odd, it was a reference to a real-life hitchhiking robot named Hitchbot that traveled North America until a mystery person in Philly destroyed it for some reason. There is a Marx Brothers connection. At times, it seems like you have to be a gigantic fan of all film and TV to be hired as a writer for animated shows. After all, the list of classic movies and shows that have been directly referenced by The Simpsons is so exhaustive that tracking them all would take weeks of work. No stranger to paying tribute to the past, Bob's Burgers has shown its love for the Marx Brothers. In fact, the Belcher kids attend Wagstaff Middle School, which got its name from Professor Quincy Adams Wagstaff, a character played by Groucho Marx in the 1932 comedy Horse Feathers. If that weren't enough, Louise's nemesis Logan attends Huxley High School, which is named after the university that Groucho's character taught at it in that same film. The Gilligan's Island Connection Gilligan's Island really couldn't be any more different than Bob's Burgers. For instance, the 60s sitcom was set on an island, didn't feature a family, and most notably of all, was a live-action series while Bob's Burgers is animated. Despite all that, however, it is abundantly clear that someone behind the scenes of Bob's Burgers was heavily influenced by at least one cast member from that classic sitcom. Actor Tina Louise was cast to play the beloved Ginger's Island, or Gilligan's Island character, Ginger. And if you know anything about Bob's Burgers, you're aware that the Belcher daughters are named Tina and Louise. And the show's brand has been extended a lot. Taking advantage of merchandising opportunities can play a huge factor in whether or not a show makes a profit and continues airing. No slouch in that department, Bob's Burgers has made loads of money by selling products related to the long-running series. For instance, the show's characters have inspired many toys, including Funko Pops. A CD of original music featured in Bob's Burgers was released, and a series of comic books also hit shelves. By far our favorite piece of merchandise, however, is the Bob's Burgers Burger book, Real Recipes for Joke Burgers, which provides fans with lots of recipes inspired by Bob's trademark burger of the day choices. You know, burgers are good, and I think it'd be interesting to see what types of burgers are in that cookbook. And the last show we're going to cover in part two here of tiff totally the adult animation segment is 12 ounce mouse 12 ounce mouse was on from 2005 to 2020 12 ounce mouse is an american surreal humor and psychological thriller adult animated television series created by matt malaro for cartoon network's late night programming block, adult swim The series revolves around Mouse Fitzgerald, nicknamed Fitz, voiced by Malero, an alcoholic mouse who performs odd jobs so he can buy more beer. Together with his chinchilla companion, Skillet, Fitz begins to recover suppressed memories that he once had a wife and a child who have now vanished. This leads him to seek answers about his past and the shadowy forces that seem to be manipulating his world. In producing the series, Malero crudely designed the characters as a cost-cutting measure. The series is animated by radical axes. He intended for the series to lack continuity starting from the pilot but established a serial format after starting the second episode. He had constructed an ending for the series as well as a detailed map of characters. However, the series finale concluded differently from planned. Malero cast people around his office for the character, starring himself as the protagonist and Nine Pound Hammer vocalist Scott Llewellyn as the voice of Rooster. The band also performs the opening theme. The show revolves around a mouse named Mouse Fitzgerald, nicknamed Fitz, who is fond of beer and caught in a world of espionage, love, and the delights of odd jobs. The show employs a serial format and its ongoing storyline, developed from absurdist comedy to include mystery and thriller elements. Fitz begins to recover suppressed memories that he once had a wife and a child who have now vanished. This leads him to seek answers about his past and the shadowy forces that seem to be manipulating his world. Fitz suspects there is a sinister conspiracy which appears to revolve around fields of aspirin, pills beneath the city, and shark, at, voiced by Adam Reed, clock, and rectangular business businessmen, Kurt Sokolich, attempt to control the nature of time and reality. Fitz and Skillet receive help from Licker, Matt Harrigan, Rooster, Scott, Llewellyn, Stone, Peanut, Cop, Nick, Wiedenfeld, and others as they engage in gun battles, blow things up, and try to understand cryptic hints. The show also sometimes contains surreal subliminal images that flash across the screen during key plot moments, including skulls, mustache, snake beasts, and people screaming. The series concludes with the revelation that Fitz has been kidnapped and placed into a simulation by the shadowy figure. He is about to be killed by Shark and the Rectangular Businessmen in their true forms outside the simulation. When he is rescued by the true form of Pina Cop and a nurse who works in the simulation chamber, they kill Shark and Rectangular Businessmen, but it is unknown if they are truly dead because the simulation in which most of the show takes place is probably taking place in another simulation. One of the purposes of the simulation seen in most of the show was to extract information from Fitz. The conclusion to episode 20 is ambiguous as to whether or not it is actually the end of the series, as some aspects of the plot remain unresolved. Golden Joe says, I thought this was done, to which Fitz replies, I thought so too. I guess we're not. One webisode was made in 2007, showing Fitz and his friends escaping the city to live in a desert. Golden Joe is carried away by birds, while later one night, Peanut Cot mysteriously disappears. Fitz and Skillet later meet a woman, Lee, who turns out to be a werewolf. Their fate at the end of the episode was unknown. In 2018, a half-hour special episode aired, which continued the story. Fitz, now with a mustache and suffering from amnesia, is shown to be living in a new city during an unspecified amount of time after the original finale. Shark and Square Guy have returned somehow and are trying to kidnap Fitz so they can return to the real world with the help of exterminator B. Busby, voiced by Dana Snyder. Skillet, Rooster, Peanut Cop, Golden Joe, and the new guy, Mike Lazo must find and escape the simulation with Fitz before Shark before Shark and Square Guy do. According to Malaro, the series was pitched as a table read to the network He jokingly stated that they accepted it after claiming that production costs would total $5 and will take some of the paper sitting in the copier. Malaro borrowed inspiration from surrealism in the films of David Lynch. He intended for the series to lack continuity starting from the pilot, but established a serial format after starting to work on the second episode. He had constructed an ending for the series as well as a detailed map of characters. However, the series finale concluded differently from planned. In November 2006, Malaro mentioned the possibility of continuing the series with webisodes, and he wrote five additional scripts for ending the series, but finally, he only produced one webisode entitled, Enter the Sand Mouse. Radical Axis provided animation for the series using Final Cut Pro. Described as lo-fi animation, Malaro crudely designed the characters as a cost-cutting measure, with the exception of Amalok, a many-armed monster summoned in the Season 2 episode, Dog Chronicles, which was drawn and animated by Tom Redner at the studio, and Shark, which was borrowed from the Space Ghost Coast-to-Coast Coast Coast episode, Kentucky Nightmare. In a behind-the-scenes clip of the show, Malaro explained that to animate the series, he would first grab a nearby sheet of copy paper, draw something, and then scan it, followed by him sending the file to an animator. Rhoda, a character from the series, was drawn on the back of a script page for perfect hair forever. A scan of the paper revealed the textual context behind it, which Malaro decided to leave in. The June 14, 2018 episode of the Adult Swim streaming series Development Meeting featured a new clip from 12 Ounce Mouse, which featured Seth Green as Fitz, hinting at a return to the series. It was later announced on September eighteenth of that year that the series will return for a half-hour special entitled Invictus, which aired a month later on October 14th. On the day of the specials airing, another announcement was made that the series will return for an 11-episode third season which aired in late July 2020. On March thirty-first, 2020, the third season premiere aired unannounced at 2.45 a.m. Eastern Time with many other new episodes from Adult Swim shows as part of Adult Swim's annual April Fool's Prank. The whole third season premiered on July 20th, 2020 and ended on July 31st. The Season 2 episodes, Airful and Meat Warrior, were respectively seen by 460,000 and 431,000 viewers upon broadcast. In addition, the episodes ranked as the 13th and 12th most watched episodes aired by the network for the week of October 23, 2006, respectively. The series has received generally positive critical reception. About.com's Nancy Basil gave the series 4 out of 5 stars, opining that the series is what Adult Swim should be, experimental but in a cheap, simple, not-trying-to-be-cool way. She found the crude animation refreshing but joked that the series can kill viewers not used to the slow pace. Writing for AOL TV, Adam Finley regarded the show as the most simplistically drawn of all the Adult Swim shows and yet the most complex in terms of story. He contrasted it with other William Street productions, finding it instead unravel slowly, revealing a little bit more of what's underneath the surface while also piling on more and more questions. Rob Mitchum of Pitchfork Media called it the asymptote of the block's crude style. Justin Heckert of Atlanta Magazine opined that the animation and art look like they were done by daycare students. You know, I have never seen or heard of 12-ounce mouse, but um, it seems like it's so, like, I mean, from 2005 to 2020, and to only have three seasons... Like, for it to be that far apart, like, I don't know how I would feel about that, to be honest. But, I mean, a drunken mouse. I mean, what can you say? That's got to be hilarious, right? But anyway, um, this is part two. That concludes it of the adult animation. The final part, part three, will be coming shortly. Again, I really apologize for the delay in episodes. It's just things have been you know, more busier than I expected. And so it's just a lot with trying to get these done and, you know, just so many other things, you know, that life brings to you. Um, But promise I'm getting there. Of course, we're going to continue having our polls, which is always fun. You know, it's enjoyable and I enjoy making episodes and making the polls up. So stay tuned for part three coming soon. Until then, bye.